you guys will have to be patient with me. This isn't the kind of thing I usually do or ever do. <laughs> Um, in fact, when Pastor Joyce asked me to speak tonight, you know, my first gut response was no. <laughs> um, you know, that just struggle there, but um, the Lord kept saying yes. So then Joyce said, it's going to be about seeking, seeking God, seeking Jesus. And I, again, really wanted to say no because I'm struggling in that area as well. You know, maybe we all do. We go through seasons. There's times when he feels really close to us. And times when it feels like we really have to um, seek and seek and seek. And it almost feels like we're begging him to get into his presence. And, um, but the Lord reminded me through the testimony of another person that he is not asking us to respond out of our circumstances or what we feel. He's asking us to respond out of faith and what we know to be true about God. And so regardless of the circumstances I'm in right now or where my faith is or my struggles, I know that God is who he says he is. I know that many times in his word, he's, he's saying, seek me and you will find me. Ask and I will answer, knock and I will answer the door. Draw near to me, I will draw near to you. I am close to the brokenhearted. I save those who are crushed in spirit. That is the truth of the word. So regardless how we feel, we know we can count on that. And that is what I go back to every time. Um, take my second, sorry. So um, the Bible also tells us to share our stories, to build ourselves up in the Lord, to strengthen ourselves in the Lord. And a lot of times that's done by our stories of faith because as we look at those stories of faith, we are reminded of all the times that he's faithful, and that's what the Lord's been doing for me the last few days, is reminding me of the history I have with him and all the times that he's been faithful through the difficulties. And, um, of course, one of the hardest, not one of, but the hardest thing I've, I've been through with the Lord is, is the loss of my husband eight years ago. And so the scripture that says, um, he is close to the brokenhearted, became very real for me. But I also recognized that he, he's, he's that close to all of us. It's just that when we are that brokenhearted and we are, when our soul is that bare and raw, we're more aware of his presence because we have to be. He's always, he's always that close. But In our everyday life, in our everyday struggles, we find counterfeit comforts. We find um, coping skills. And so we find ways to do life without God. Even though we are seeking him, are we seeking him with our whole open, bare, raw heart? Or are we just seeking him with part of our heart while we're using coping skills to get through the day, to get through the life, to get through the next hard thing. And um, I found that when you have that kind of pain in your life, there's no coping skills left. They are ripped away from you. You have no comforts, you have no coping skills, you have nothing to hold on to except the Lord. And he's just as present for us without having to be that brokenhearted. But when you are in that place, you find out who he really is. You find out how close and true he really is. And so 
I've, I've been asking the Lord what, what I should share tonight. I, like I said, this isn't the kind of thing I normally do, but what I feel he is wanting me to do is to share one of my stories of faith, a part of my, a small part of my testimony, because he, I feel like what he wants you guys to know is how very real, how very close, and how very tangible he really is. It's when he's saying, seek, and keep seeking, knock and keep knocking, he's not saying, keep begging and I'll show up eventually. He's saying, I'm there, but keep seeking as long as you have to until you've stripped away all of those coping skills, until you have laid yourself bare before me so that you can be more aware of my presence in your life because I am already there. You don't have to go into the room and ask for me to show up. I'm in the room waiting for you. I'm already here. And so the story I feel like that the Lord is leading me to share is one where the Lord became very tangible in my life. And that is when I was losing my husband. And um, we called that time, he was, he was sick for two years with cancer before I lost him. And we called that time the terrible wonderful because in our physical life, it was the most awful thing we had ever been through. But in our spiritual life, we were becoming closer and closer to God and he was making himself known to us in ways we had never imagined. And it was so wonderful. So it was always our terrible wonderful. But after he died, it was terrible, terrible wonderful. <laughs> and. Uh, I, I didn't know how I was going to survive it. And I, and I was given advice, lots of advice, and lots of people handing me coping skills, and um, nothing like that was going to work. And then until the Lord woke me up one day and said, we're going on a road trip. And uh, I didn't know what he meant, but he quickly made it known that we were literally going to go on a road trip. He had me fly to um, back down to Minnesota and rent a car. And... Uh, I had always been terrified of driving in the States because I always drove up here, which is easy, and my husband drove in the States, and that, that worked for me. So I thought my days of road trips in the States were over. But the Lord wanted to teach me that he was tangible, and I could rely on him, and he would, he would lead me through these hard spaces. But it would be just him and I right now, so I got that car and headed down the road and had no idea where I was going or how long I would be gone. And... Uh, for the next three months, we drove. And every single day, I, in my rawness, asked the Lord, where are we going today? And he would give me the next destination. And all across the country would be all of these amazing encounters with the Lord, some hard things. Some He would teach me how to hear him, how to listen, how to be close to him. And, and it was this very incredible experience, but it was very painful and exhausting. And a lot of it was grieving and wrestling with the Lord about what I was going through. And I had no idea when I was going home or what was going to happen. But, um, but then um, after three months, I ended up in uh, Seattle. And I, I called my kids and, and asked them to meet me in Kona for Christmas. That would be our first Christmas without my husband. So they did. And... Uh, and I got a ticket so that when we left Kona, um, we would fly home together and that would be the end of that road trip. I was exhausted. It had been wonderful and there's lots of stories in there, but it would just take too long to drag all that out right now. So um, 
We went to Kona for Christmas for a week, and it was very difficult. We had a really, really awful time. <laughs> and, uh, but I was ready to go home, and I had a ticket, and so our, our holiday was over, and we got to the airport. And this is where God really becomes very tangible in a way I had not experienced, even on the road trip yet. Um, we got to the airport, we had tickets, and the kids are loading their bags on the, on the cart, on the, whatever that thing is called, <laughs> conveyor belt. And uh, my son went to put my bag on the conveyor belt, and the Lord was saying, no, it's not time to go yet, we're not finished. And I'm like, oh no, <laughs> I'm exhausted, and this was a terrible week in Hawaii, and it's hot, and I'm ready to go. And um, he said, no, no, we're not done yet. You need to stay. So then I had to tell my kids I'm not going home yet. The Lord is telling me to stay. And my kids didn't take it well. <laughs> they were concerned. <laughs> but I knew what I heard. And I couldn't get on the plane, even though I wanted to. So I pulled my luggage off, tore up my ticket and uh, waved goodbye to my kids as they got on the plane and flew home. They're adult kids, of course. <laughs> Just to clarify. <laughs> yeah, it is, right? So, so this is where things get, get really kind of crazy. They flew off, and I'm, I don't know how many of you have been to Kona. That was my first time in Kona, but I'm just, it was still the holidays because it was coming up on New Year's. I just got checked out of our hotel, and, I'm, and I turned in my car, and I'm sitting on a park bench with my luggage in the heat, which I don't like, and immediately trying to figure out what to do, calling the car rentals, not a car available on the whole island, calling the hotels, not a hotel room available. So then I start calling my family <laughs> in the States. I'm telling them, here's what I've done. I don't want you to say anything. I just want you to help me find a room and a car. <laughs> so they're on their computers at home, and, and I'm on my on the park bench, but I'm, I'm distraught because I know that the Lord has told me to, not to get on that plane, but I have no idea what he's asking me to do next. I don't like where I'm at. I don't like that I just waved goodbye to my kids. I don't like not knowing what's next. And um, I was... I was not in a good way. So as I'm sitting there on the park bench with my computer open looking for stuff, shamelessly sobbing to the point where a homeless guy came over and offered me a cigarette because <laughs> he felt sorry for me. <laughs> like, she's one of us. <laughs> sorry, this darn thing. Anyways, I'm like, oh dear, it's getting bad. But um, in that process, one of this, I got a phone call back from one of the hotels that said, we don't have any rooms but you can sleep on my couch tonight if you want. And I'm like, okay, I don't have any other options. <laughs> she said she would send a cab to get me. So a cab came and picked me up and drove me way up into the mountain thing place and it was very scary and confusing. I'm like, Lord, what are you doing and why am I here? And I was still very upset. Well, in the process, my family, one, one member of my family had found a place on Molokai, and uh, she called to tell me, I think I found where you need to go. It's Molokai, and I can get you on a plane in the morning, and there's even a vehicle when you get there. 
And she sent me this little brochure, and as I was reading it, the Lord was saying, yes, go. So I'm like, okay, book my flight. At this point, I really needed a lot of help just because I was exhausted, and I was grieving, and I was confused, and I was trusting God, and yet not. <laughs> and uh, I really wanted answers about what's next. And he was, you know, com confirmation that I hadn't made a mistake by not getting on my flight. And so uh, he... Um, the next morning, exactly 24 hours after my kids left, I got on a flight to Molokai. I had never even heard of Molokai. I was asking my family member, what island is that on? And it's its own island. <laughs> and so I get to Molokai, and I land, and it's like being in kind of a third world country, huh? <laughs> and uh, I, there's this little yellow card old-looking card tacked to a board that said taxi and a phone number, so I called it, and I'm like, can you, can you come and get me and take me to a hotel? And he's like, no, it's Sunday. And I'm like, now what do I do? And uh, he must have heard something in my voice. <laughs> he said, never mind, I'll come get you. You sound like you need a ride. <laughs> he came and got me, and on the way to the hotel, he was basically preaching without meaning to, but he was speaking so much of what I needed to hear. But he, he dropped me off at the hotel, and uh, it, was, it was not where I was going to stay. It wasn't the condo that my family member had found for me, but it was a two-night stay at this hotel while I was waiting to get into it. And I walked into this little tiny room, and, and it was, I'm sure, beautiful, but I, I was still distraught about not having gotten on that flight with my kids and not knowing what was coming. And was I, why was I here? And am I in the wrong place? What am I going to do? I had pretty much wore myself out the last three months driving across the country, and I was kind of done. <laughs> and so um, I called my mom, because I realized I couldn't, I couldn't do this. I called my mom, and I said, you're going to have to come get me. I, I've, I've made a mistake, and I'm tired, and I can't even get home myself. I actually need you to come here and get me and take me home. And my mom, under normal circumstances, would have jumped at that opportunity. But she didn't. She said, Sonia, whenever the Lord has spoke to you before, it's always turned out good. So I'm not going to come get you. I know he didn't call you there to make you miserable. You just need to stick, stick it out and find out why you're there. So I called the, ta the taxi guy before he dropped me off, asked if he could take me to church. And I said, no, because I was upset. So he left me at the hotel. Well, I called him back and said, come get me. <laughs> I want to go to church. <laughs> so he came and got me. And uh, I went to church, and the preacher was preaching a word that was, you know, of course, just right on target for me. Enough for me to go, well, this is good, but I still don't know that this is where I'm supposed to be. And uh, midway through the pastor's sermon, he stopped, and he said, this is not the sermon I planned for today. He says, I uh, had a different sermon all written up. He goes, but 24 hours ago which is when I didn't get on that first flight. <laughs> 24 hours ago, the Lord said, somebody's coming today that's going to um, need to hear this instead. He said, so I switched it to this. So he goes, I want you to know whoever you are out there, God knows you're here. You're not here by mistake. And God didn't bring you here to make you miserable. <laughs> you know, my mom's words exactly an hour before. So at that moment, I finally realized that God is in this and that he, he actually did call me there for a reason. 
and uh, I, could, I could rest in that. And um, so that began, I ended up staying on Molokai for, th for three, uh, three months, and that began this really incredible journey with the Lord where um, seeking the Lord and finding him, you know, just like the word says, um, he, uh, there were so many just different encounters with the Lord and ways that, that he was healing my heart. It's like the first three months on the road trip was about learning to hear him and working through a lot of the hardships of grieving and, and what's coming next in my life, where Molokai was a time of rest with the Lord and learning to seek him and just to be in his presence and to trust him and to get well. And I realized that's, that's what he wants. He wants to be that close, that tangible, that, that real to us all the time. Um, but this was all great because, of course, I'm, I'm on the island and it's sunny and there's waves and ocean and, you know, it's, it's a good place to heal. But, you know, three months later, the Lord said it was time to go home. And then I started getting pretty anxious because I knew that my husband wouldn't be there when I got home. And I also knew I had bought this property. I bought the property three months after he died. And it was sitting there waiting for me to turn it into this gathering place. And I had no idea what I was doing. I was, uh, I had been stay-at-home mom, not a, not a business person or anything like that. And so um, that last day in Molokai, I'm skipping over a lot because it's just too much to fill too much space. But there's a lot of stories in there of just what it means to be tangible with the Lord and um, but that, this, this last day in Molokai, was, I remember standing, and it was a Sunday, and it was March 15th, but it was a Sunday, and I was in church, and um, I'm, I was twisting my wedding ring, I just, and I was anxious, and I didn't want to go home, and I, I couldn't get into worship, I was trying, and I was sad, and uh, I heard the Lord say, what are you thinking when you twist your ring like that? And I'm like, and I looked at my ring and I thought, what am I thinking? I'm thinking, I feel betrayed. <laughs> I'm thinking, this was a covenant, a promise. This, this represented something that's broken and gone. It, it's worthless now. It doesn't mean anything. And I'm angry. And uh, all of a sudden, all this anger rate, rate at God came up because, you know, why'd you take my husband? <laughs> and I'm twisting this ring out of anger and I realize it. And um, I, I leave the church, and I'm driving into town to the airport, and the Lord tells me to stop at this little gift shop, and I walk in, and I knew immediately what he was asking me to do. He says, let's trade. And uh, I'm like, trade? I want to trade rings. So I'm like, I knew he wanted my wedding ring because it, to me it was, it was representing anger. It was representing a broken promise. And I was using it to stay angry at God. And uh, he says, I want you to have a new ring. So I went to this little shop, and there was this, all these little silver plumeria rings in a pile, and like 30 of them. And I asked the shopkeeper to take them out, and she dumps them on the table. And I'm like, Lord, there can be only one. If this is from you, I shouldn't have to choose. <laughs> it has to be one. And so I went, started trying on all these rings, and none of them fit. They were all huge until I got to the last one. And I put it on, and it fit like it was made for me. And I was like, oh, 
I know I have to do this now. So I put my wedding ring away for the first time and, and I put this ring on and I went and said all my goodbyes on Molokai and I got on the plane and I was, as we were taking off, I found myself twisting my ring again and the Lord saying, what are you thinking when you twist your ring like that? And I'm like, oh, now I'm remembering. We have history. I'm remembering the times that you have rescued me, saved me, you know, that you've been there for me. And I could go back through and remember the stories that I have with the Lord, the times that he has, I've been seeking him and he has been found. And he's been true to his word and faithful to me, the way that he carried me through losing my husband, the way that he carried me through the road trip and, and these different things with my kids and, and life. And suddenly my ring didn't represent loss and anger. It represented a covenant with the Lord that he is going to be my husband and that I could trust him. And um, I kind of thought in that moment, this is it. I'm, I'm good now. I'll go home and I'll be fine. I'll build this business. And, and um, something about this ring gave me so much confidence. I didn't know when I got off the plane <laughs> that I would be hit with all of the hard things that, that were still waiting for me, and they would still be hard. <laughs> but this ring and the, and the tangible relationship that I have built with the Lord through that time, through my broken-hearted time, has, has got, it, it got me through building a business and, and all of the things that come with that very difficult stuff. <laughs> um, Even, even, recent, even recently, as I, uh, when the Lord told me, he's the one that told me to buy that property and told me what I would do with it and gave me the, the, the resources for it and showed me how to move forward in it. And I struggled with it, but I, I, I counted it as a gift that I needed to steward for the Lord. And somewhere along the way, I took it upon myself. I'm doing this for you, God, but step aside. I have this work to do, <laughs> and uh, um, and I was I was kind of mad about it because it was really hard. I was doing it alone, and I was missing my husband, and I didn't know what I was doing. Everything I had to learn from the beginning, and I made a lot of mistakes. And every time I made a mistake, I would get mad, thinking, "Aren't you supposed to protect me from my mistakes? What <laughs> what's that all about?" You know, that I didn't realize I was supposed to learn something in it, but. Um, and it was mine to steward, and I took that responsibility seriously. And so the day came, actually recently, when the Lord said it was time to let it go and to sell it. And uh, I took that very, very hard. Um, with some relief, of course, because it had been a, it's been a long journey. But um, I took it hard, like I had failed somehow, and he was taking it away from me. Because I'm supposed to steward this. Um, so what does it mean if I if I'm giving it up to somebody else and uh, I hadn't completed what I felt like I was there to do. And, but I went through the process because he made it very clear. Here's what we're going to do and you're going to sell and you're going to this and we're moving forward. And I remember as I was driving away the last day, the Lord said, stop, look around. And I stopped and I looked around at the property and he said, he said, you're leaving the land better than you found it. And you are leaving better than you came. He said, you were, it was never about you being there for the land. It was about the land being there for you. And what, how God grew me and, and um, 
and what he taught me through that, all the promises over that land, the promises over me through that. It's like all of that comes with you. And uh, it's not over. It's time for, you know, a new, a new phase. But it was hard. But the Lord um, showed me my wrong thinking in that just like when, I, when I came home. And I'm like, okay, Lord, I'll do this. But I felt more like a, a toddler, you know, I'll clean my room. But I'm going to stomp off and slam my door in the process. I don't want to. I'm mad. You know, and a lot of times I stayed mad, but then I would find myself twisting my ring, and the Lord would say, why are you twisting your ring? And I'd like, oh, yeah, there you are. You know, it was this tangible reminder he gave me. And, and the point of that, because we all have different stories, and we all have, you know, you're not going to walk the same exact story I have, but he is just that real, just that tangible just that easily to be found for every single one of us in every single one of our circumstances. We don't have to be raw and, and brokenhearted because he's, he's already here. He's in, he's in the room. He just wants us to be more aware of him. He just, we have to keep seeking because we have to keep taking off the counterfeit comforts. We have to keep taking off all of the coping skills that help us live, live life without God. The distractions that say, just a minute, God, I'll get back to you, but right now I'm going to fix myself over here. I'm going to help myself this way. I'm going to let somebody else talk to me instead of you. Whatever it is, when you are that broken, you can't help but go to that place. There's, there's nowhere else to go. So we just have to uh, take that time, I think, to let go of whatever is, is keeping us from him. But when he says, seek me, keep seeking me, he's not asking us to beg. He's just asking us to get into his presence and remove, our, remove all the stuff that's in the way that's between us because he's already there. He's already found. Um, he's waiting for us. And I realized on that journey that he wants to be there for us. He wants to answer us when we call. All the different little, if we give him the opportunity. He says to keep seeking, but he keeps showing up too, every time. He does. How about I pray for you guys? Heavenly Father, I just... Uh, I pray, Lord, that as each, each lady here has, is here because they want to seek you and you promise to be found, they are already asking. They are already knocking. They are already standing at the door saying, Lord, where are you? In their own circumstances, I just pray, Father, that you would, uh, I pray that you would make yourself known to them in bold and beautiful and tangible ways. I pray that they would have that close encounter with you, Lord, that doesn't, doesn't require being brokenhearted, but, but just laying aside the brokenness that's in us and the, the coping skills that we, that we have and the distractions of our life, that you would help us to strip those away so that we can be more aware of your presence that is already here and available and waiting because you have already been found. I pray that you would answer every heart's cry for you, Lord, that you would ignite a flame in them, 
rekindle that first love fire. Open their hearts to receive, Lord. I pray, the Father, that you would meet them in their circumstances and help them to overcome any resistance that they have, any fear or doubt. Fill them with your Holy Spirit, Lord. Let them know that you are who you say you are, that we can count on you to be true, to be real, to be tangible, to be faithful to your word. We thank you and we praise you, Lord for every heart that is seeking and every heart that is asking. In Jesus' name, amen.